Welcome to It's Like This. My name is Laura Seifert, and I'm an author, a teacher, a speaker, but really I'm just an everyday woman who's looking to find God in everyday life. Throughout the Bible, Jesus would take profound truths like the kingdom of God. What is that? What does that even mean? And he would make these big truths accessible and understandable. And he did it by giving examples and saying things like, well, it's like this. It's like a mustard seed. And when you plant it, it grows and it blooms and it provides shade. And why would he say that? Because he's speaking to people that are farmers. So instantly it makes sense to them and they can get their minds around it. Other people would say, God, he's like a shepherd and he cares for his sheep like a good shepherd would. And that was coming from David, who was a shepherd himself. So where do we find God today? Because I'm not a shepherd and I'm not a farmer. You might be. But where do I find him? Can I find him in the grocery store aisle, my least favorite errand to run? You better believe it. Can I find him around a dinner table with a good meal and great conversation? Absolutely. So join me each week for fun conversations about finding God even when we aren't looking for him. It's like this. Okay, welcome to It's Like This podcast with Laura Seifert. I'm here today with, I'm so excited because I'm here with Joy Egerich Reed. Okay, so let me just give you a little background on how I met Joy Egerich Reed. You don't even know this probably. I don't know if I even told you this, but years ago, the very first IF Gathering, which is a Christian women's conference for women, I attended it with my dear friend, Natalie Green, Shout out. And Joy, you emceed it. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Annie Downs and I. Well, we, Annie Downs. we made a big joke. We were, the, we were the backstage hosts. So we did all the post-talk interviews for all the women who were streaming it at home. We were kind of their friends. Is that tier- they, only let us, they only let us out into the actual uh, main stage a few times. I was going to say, <laughs> is, is that kind of JV or tier two? Or <laughs> it, It's what we wanted. It, it's, our, it's our lane and we stay in it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, you popped on and off the stage a, a few times because I was there live and I just remember watching you, maybe when I played it back, but instantly I was most drawn to you, not in a creepy way, but in a way that was like, <laughs> She is real and transparent. And at that time, had you started Punchline Agency? No, no. Okay. It wasn't for, yeah, several years after that. So as, at that time, you were really, you were a Christian single woman, and you were really wildly funny. And that's not all that defined you, but <laughs> what that- What happened? I don't know. Because now you're a tired mom of two, and you live in Paris. Tell us, give us, introduce yourself to us, and tell us what you do a little bit, and then we'll jump in. Oh, well, um, thank you for having me. Um, I am currently living in Paris, as you said, mom of two, married to my husband, Matt. Um, and I started Punchline Agency, which is a speaking and literary agency for people who I say are good on the page and the stage. Um, Ooh, I and like I don't normally sound this. I am an alto uh, in high school <laughs> choir. I was an alto, but I currently uh, I have COVID. So I'm sounding like she's on a zoom call you guys those of you that are watching the tens of people that will be watching will see she looks gorgeous for having COVID go ahead keep going you're kind well that that's it that's that's it that's I'm I I uh my husband's job brought us here um in 2017 so we've been here a little bit over five years and that is when I started punchline so um 
I wouldn't recommend moving internationally to a country where you don't speak the language and starting your own company the same week. Amazing. Um, But that's what I chose to do. Okay, which is where we're headed today. This is what I want to talk about because it's like this podcast. We really focus on finding God in ways we're not looking for him. And I want to talk today about, I thought this through, Joy is, I am one of the speakers represented by Punchline Agency. And I really stalked Joy back after when I saw her at the IF gathering, and then I started to follow you on social media. And then my little ministry was growing, and I thought, if I'm ever represented or if I ever have an agent, who would that be? And I began to pray through it, and I really, honestly, kind of vetted some other agencies that that didn't necessarily want to work with me. I didn't even reach out to them. And I kept going back to Joy. I thought if I could work with anybody, it would be Joy. So I really stalked her until she said yes. And that's how we we came into relationship with one another. And I just love you and your team. I think you're fantastic. But I thought if I could sit down and have a glass of wine and visit with Joy when she comes back from her glamorous life in Paris, I want to talk about what it was like for you. How did you find God in taking these two, in my mind, huge risks of starting a company and moving to Paris? So let's start with Punchline. Tell me how Punchline came to be. Yeah, so um, Punchline came out of, my father is an author and a speaker. And so I have been, he was a pastor when I was growing up. Um, and then when I was in college, uh, he started working on, he and my mom were speaking, um, doing marriage conferences, and he was working on a book that really was a culmination of 30 years of pastoring and counseling couples and things like that. So he was working on that. I was in college. I was kind of unaware of what my parents were doing. Um, but then when I graduated, my dad's book came out and um, they needed someone to, uh, their, the conferences that they were doing kind of exploded so they needed someone to direct their conferences and I was like hey I like telling you guys what to do (laughs) Um, (laughs) and so I came on board with them and through that process just really understood you know event planning and um, and then the world of speaking and writing and my dad would always invite me into meetings with publishers and agents and things like that and Um, But also I, you know, I understood his journey. He was rejected by many Mm. publishers and um, I know that process uh, intimately. And then I started working for them and in their marriage ministry, I went through, I almost got married myself, went through a terrible breakup. um, And then through that decided that I wanted to kind of help my generation because I was in such, I was in a place of such woundedness. And my dad was like, you know, when you are this, hurt and broken, um, I would just encourage you to, you know, have a posture of being open to serve. And I was like, I can barely get out of bed. Oh, yeah. (laughs) How old were you at that time? Uh, I was 25, 25, it was kind of in that 25, 26, 27 range. Um, That whole like dating breakup, you know, Uh I went to Switzerland, I had to get away. (laughs) It was very dramatic. You literally did? Yeah, I went to Labrie. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then the first week I was there, I broke my leg. And so then I was in bed and so broken hearted, broken leg, so dramatic, all these, (laughs) just broken, Um, just very broken. 
but it was interesting as I was laid up in bed in the middle of an Alp, um, <laughs> all these, there were younger people. I mean, I was old there at 26, 27. Um, and these younger, you know, 19, 20, 21 year olds would come to, you know, check on me. But then they'd kind of find out like, oh, I had directed these marriage conferences and um, they would start talking about relationships. And I'm naturally, my dad and I both are very, we both study communications, male, female differences, just very interesting to us. And so even though I was very broken, I still felt like I had the knowledge from what my parents had taught me and all that I had absorbed from directing their, their events. And, um, and so it was just really interesting to finally see what my dad had said, even though I felt broken, I still felt like I had mm. wisdom to pass on that I had learned. And I also remembered from directing their conferences that so many people at the book signing line after the conference would say, why didn't anybody teach us this 20 years ago? If oh, wow. only I knew then what I know now. Wow. And so out of that, I finally had this illumination moment where I was like, oh man, how can I get this message to my generation so they don't have to say in 20 years, if only I knew then what I know now. Oh, that's so, powerful. This is a long, I mean, I, no. I don't know how much detail you want me to, you just, you'd move the story along if you'd like. But basically what happened from there <laughs> just is my dad, wrap you know, <laughs> yeah, you're like, next. Wrap it um, up. No, keep <laughs> going. I love it. Yeah. So at that season of my life, I, I really felt like God used my, I finally had a, a reason for this pain. And I, and I oh. even other, and it was, it was an abusive relationship uh -huh. and that, that was, and I don't throw that word around lightly. Right. Um, and I couldn't call that it that for many years, but then I met other women that he had done these things to and really helped them through their healing. And I just had a whole new level of compassion that I would not have had prior to that. So I, I saw how God used that pain that I don't think he wished upon me, but he allowed when I changed that posture of my heart, like my dad encouraged me mm -hmm. to do, um, to see this new way that I could kind of give back, even though I still felt like I was kind of a mess about relationships yeah. myself. And so that was kind of the posture that I took. I always liked learning through asking questions. And so I had this website and people would um, you know, it was called ask joy and people would write in their questions and then I would search to find the answer. I didn't, I didn't suppose that I was this guru or anything, but I would go and talk to my dad or I'd read a book or whatever. And so I tried to get that conversation going so people could learn now and didn't have to suffer 20 years down the road. That's, um, let me jump in really quickly. Yeah. Cause what I'm for anyone that's listening, what I'm discovering, just as you share this story, is just the ways God is showing up and weaving your story. And you're not looking for it. You don't expect, you know what, when I hit 25 or 26, I'll probably go through really a lot of pain, but God's yeah. going to use it. We don't know that going into it. Yeah. And when you're in the midst of it, without your dad's, you know, I don't, without wise counsel saying, listen, put yourself in a place of posh, a posture of serving. In the, in the sense, really what that means is don't necessarily, that doesn't necessarily translate to go, serve at a food kitchen, which it could, but it just means be open to not wasting that pain. Yeah. Would you agree? hundred percent. That's what I remember saying to him. Like, I remember him telling me that and just feeling like I literally couldn't get out of bed. And there was even times mm. after, I mean, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like this happened overnight. I right. think that's something that now as I'm 40, you know, when people are like, oh, wow, you're doing all this. I'm like, do you know all the twists and turns yes. that it took to get here? The road. And, um, Oh yeah. No. And even then, like, do I still have everything figured out? No. no, but it's so easy to look at everybody's life and feel like, Oh, they just got there. Mm -hmm. No. 
Um, and so I think that hundred percent, that was it. It just, I, I started with Lord, if you, and it's just interesting to look back now, I have these little devotionals that were from that season of life. Mm. And then I would make little notes and dates mm. and sometimes I'll put them away for a couple of years and then I'll bring them back. And it just like takes you back and you can see the things that you were feeling and thinking. And just, I, I think there's so, there were so many times where I was just like, I have no idea. I remember just like, just being so confused how I could love someone so deeply and they could treat me mm. so badly. Mm. And that I, I, you just, when you're a strong yep. woman that, yep. you know, isn't, has a healthy family dynamic, you just don't see that coming. No. And I remember there is this devotional that I love called, um, uh, God calling, not Jesus calling. It's the, it's the OG God calling <laughs> <laughs> written by the, they're anonymous two listeners. My, my mom and I think it, that, I've never yeah, heard of it. Oh, it's the best. Streams in the desert I mean, has saved my life. That devotional oh, is similar. Yes probably yeah. similar in the sense of it's great for wilderness seasons. Yes. Yeah. And, um, and so it was these two women that would go away and pray and then they would come back oh, and man. tell each other what they heard the Lord saying. And then what was, what they both kind of heard together, mm-hmm. then they would write a little devotional. Um, and then, and yeah, and they always stayed anonymous. So nobody knows who these two listeners were. Hmm. Um, anyways, there's there November 11th <laughs> is the date if you get God calling. Um, where it talked about kind of this, the mosaic of our life mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm going to butcher it, but basically it was like just this, the turmoil, the pain of, of, of life that happens. And it's like, but I'm going to trust the mosaic to the designer mm. and that <laughs> get emotional, I know, it's right? Like, but that, yeah, but that each stone is being laid and not until I'm beyond the veil right. can I look back and mm-hmm. see the mosaic that was being mm-hmm. designed. Um, and that's faith. Much, that's yes, faith. Yes. That's the life and of faith. I'm, totally. Totally. And that's, and I would come back to that so many times during that season. And now it's just kind of that imagery, um, is something that I, I think I have hope for in heaven where I will, I will see that beautiful mosaic, but I know on this t- side of eternity, I, I just have to yeah. trust each of those stones. And I still struggle with that. I mean, even now, just that in this season of life, there's so many things that are unknown. Um, but I think, yes, as you said, so that openness, just being willing, doesn't mean that serving doesn't mm-hmm. mean you go down to the soup kitchen, even though that is great. Um, it, it's more of just like, what do you have for me? And when we're yeah. in such, when we're in places of being so low, it is really hard to do anything other than go, I can't do anything, right? but I'm open. Do you? And to me, well, to me, that feels like that's when the miracles happen. Yes. I broke my leg. I couldn't even get out of bed. Yes. Yes. And then the people came to me. <laughs> and that's what, I, you know, there's something um, about that brokenness that God uses because there's there are defenses and self, like image management goes out the window and some defenses in us that we don't even realize we carry around naturally go away because of that brokenness. And it's almost like the crushed grape and the wine can come out. God uses that. But in our minds, we're so performance oriented that it's like, oh, this is the worst time for me to be used because I'm not at my best. Yeah. And God's like, yeah. everything about God's economy is flipped on its head. Everything yes. about him is not what you think. His ways are higher than ours. They're not, his thoughts are nothing like ours. So just hearing you say that, Joy, it's got to bring listeners encouragement today. Even we'll get to punchline agency in a second, but it's just so encouraging 
joy because so many of us find ourselves in dark seasons right now. And I heard mm-hmm. it described like a tapestry, like your needle pointing. And on the front of the tapestry is the beautiful design, but on the back is all these threads that are a hot mess. Yeah. And we see the hot <laughs> mess. And then when we get to heaven, just what you're saying, all truth will be known and we'll we'll see it. Yeah. But the journey of yeah. faith is he's weaving together good, what feels hard, what is hard. And we just have to continue yeah. to trust the shepherd in the midst of the dark valley. Yeah. And, and it's so, and that's why it's I think good. sharing stories and having conversations is so important because I think even we are just so, it, it is so hard for us to, um, to remember, mm. you know, cause we're so focused on what is. So now I have two yep. kids and I have a husband and, and my, my husband and I often talk about how we, because we got married later in life, how we never want to forget that season of being unmarried and even though we lived very filled lives there was definitely moments where we were like are we gonna, are we yeah. gonna get married like is this gonna happen for us am I gonna be able to have children um and and never wanting to lose touch with those those moments of of great pain mm-hmm. um and and then because then you can just be like well what are our problems now because I'm yeah. a problem solver. So it's like, now we've got obstacles instead of being like, I am so grateful. Yeah. Have, like last night, um, because we all have COVID, um, my daughter, uh, Millie was up in, in, in the middle of the night and she was just like not feeling good. And so I was just laying there where we were taking her temperature and trying to distract her from the, you know, the thermometer under her arm. And I realized like, I'm not always, I don't feel like I always have, like, I don't, I know there's a lot of parents and moms that say like all these great, sweet things. And I feel like (laughs) I'm pretty good at having fun with my kids. Same here. But I, yeah, but I don't always like say those real Mm -hmm. sweet things that need to be said. Um, And so I was just laying there and I realized I had never said, I was like, Millie, do you know that I always wanted a daughter? Oh, I always wanted a daughter. And I was like, you, you were God's gift to me. And she, I mean, she's only three and she like, she really like took it in and she goes, mama, why are your eyes wet? <laughs> and I was like, cause I'm feeling Cause things. I love you. <laughs> oh, sweet Millie. She's only three. Yeah. She's a tall one. She uh, Listen, towers over all the kids in her class. I mean, she'll be four in October. So I guess she's, you know, here's the thing. Getting there. You're pretty, you're pretty awesome. Millie takes you from good to great. If you follow what? Millie on Instagram, you guys, well, you follow Joy, Joy Egrich, E-G-G-E-R-I-C-H. Is that your Instagram? At Joy yeah, Egrich or just Reed silent. added? Yeah. No, Reed's not. Okay, there that's is, new There was a fake account made. I don't know okay. why, but. Yeah. I follow in Millie. It's, she's just, oh God, you're both yeah. of your kids. I mean, are, she'll sue me when she gets older. Yeah, we right. And that, rightly but, so. Yeah, but whatever. Then. Hey, whatever. You're an old mom. You'll be dead by then. It doesn't matter. Um, I'm an old mom too. I'm I'm 10 years down the road from you. I'm 50. You're 40. You ha- I have a 16 and a 14 year old and I was later getting married. And so I just connect with that um, yeah. gratitude and it doesn't really. Also, I cannot believe you're 50. I know. I look pretty. There's a lot of filters on this camera. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm 51. Dang. You forgot. Last week I turned 51. Oh, happy birthday. Don't say that. It gets so depressing for you. I mean, when I hit 40, um, I thought, 
I was hanging on for dear life. 40 was a really hard year for me. It was yeah. hard turning 40 because you're like, yes. you're great. You're white knuckling that thing. You hit yes. 50 joy and you're like, everything turns to, it's pretty good for 50. It's not bad for 50. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that took me, it's 40 took me by surprise. Me too. I, <laughs> my whole life, if people would say, what's your favorite holiday? I'd say my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I loved birthdays. Uh-huh. And then, but what's interesting is like, <clears throat> there were two birthdays that were really hard for me and it was 30. And I remember because uh, my friend from high school got married in Italy and she only invited three friends. And so here we are at this wedding in Italy. that's so beautiful. And I was as single as single mm. can be. And I was turning 30 and mm-hmm. then I kind of traveled alone for a little bit. And I was just like, I came back and I knew my mom was trying to plot with my two girlfriends <laughs> to, to have a surprise up. party and I was like no oh. no I don't want I will not party. be happy yeah. no that's like Jennifer yeah. Aniston on Friends when she turned 30 do you remember that she oh, cried the that. whole party and she oh, was she refused that. yeah that's because yeah you're, that you're that was me younger. and then 40 was like yeah I I think I thought and this I think ties into what we're talking about like these, these journeys that we're taking, I think it's always easy for me to have like goals. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think I just thought by 40, I will have a lot of things dialed in. Oh, and then, yeah. Yeah. And then it just like created, it was like, oh no, you know, oh no, (laughs) it's coming. Yeah. And, and at 40, up until 40, I kind of thought I'm, I, or at least it wasn't on my radar that aging was actually going to hit me. And yeah. then you get into your forties and you start going, Oh, the neck has happened. It's all, yeah. you're not immune yep. to it. And so now I want to walk yeah. around and look at 25 year olds that look at me and my age yeah. spots and neck and go, listen, it's coming for you. So yeah. listen, you just sit in judgment all you want, but you're going to look yeah. back and you're going to go, dang, she aged yeah. really well. And I wish I was aging as good. No, that's not true. But <laughs> no, no. But it's it. I I spent some time with my therapist and my 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 husband and my mom and just talking about these feelings that I had. And I finally got in tune with something, which was, you know, you'd always hear it over the hill. I, I yeah. always remember that when I was a kid. You know, these those black balloons that your parents yeah. would get. They're like over the hill, and I feel like that's kind of gone away. But I never totally understood that statement. And then what I realized, I was like, why am I feeling all these things? And I think what I got in tune with was uh, when I asked my babysitter what she was going to like do in college, like what she was going to major in. And I realized that all of those major milestones, Mm -hmm. where are you going to college? What are you majoring in? Oh, you're moving to Portland. Oh, you're getting married. Oh, you're starting a company. Oh, you're moving to Paris. Oh, you're pregnant those things are done. And the people that were used to ask me those questions are dying. And I know that sounds weird, but it's like, now I'm, yeah. I'm the person that That's now right. turns back. That's exactly asks right. All those questions, celebrates those milestones yep. and you feel forgotten. Yes. And or at least so embarrassing. Invisible yeah, a little was, bit. Yes. It was so embarrassing. And I even said to my husband, I was like, I don't want men to check me out. I'm not, but I said, I'm very aware that, that they're I not no longer get checked yep. out. Yep. Hundred percent. Hundred 
percent, and it is sobering, <laughs> people. It's sobering. If we're being honest, it's a sobering gut check, and yeah. you think, okay, God, have I walked with you? Like, or have you have you taken my roots spiritually deep enough so that I can walk this second half of my life road yeah. well? My pastor yeah. said at, at the time, he said, now's the time you're looking back and you're handing that baton. And I was like, no, yeah. I don't want to do that. I've always been the one receiving the yeah. baton. Yeah, it's very sobering. It is. Yeah. But when you hit 50, you do um, embrace that more. I will say I have embraced that more. And it's it's more fun now. And I've got a lot more genuinely um, quality things to say than I did back then, I would say. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at my husband yeah. who's sitting in the studio, Joy. You can't see him, but he he disagrees. He's like, whatever. You're still a mess. All right. I no, want- but I think that's I think okay, that cool. was the main thing was just to name it. Once I named yeah. it, I felt the weight off. Oh, good. It was like, yeah, because I, I couldn't figure out why I was so unhappy. You know, yeah. like I was like, what what is this like block? And then I was like, oh, I, I think I'm gonna be forgotten. Like I think the recognition of like. I may lose my parents, like, and Mm -hmm. and they're the ones that Mm -hmm. ask me these questions still. And, uh, but then just naming it, I think helped a ton for me. I think it's super insightful that you sat still long enough to get to that point of naming it, you know, because a lot of times we just think, I don't know, maybe I chalk everything up to perimenopause now. I'm like, well, it just (laughs) must be instead of having to drill down and go, what is this that's really making me cranky? Um, But it's probably some grief of life is changing and, Yeah, it's hard. Home is where the heart is or where the chaos is. (laughs) Jason and I moved into our home about three years ago and I still haven't finished decorating it. I don't know if anybody else can relate to that. But I do have some stuff on the walls, but I often daydream about our home. I want it to be bright and clean and a refined space, but one where my family can also comfortably live. And that's where Oyster Creek Studios comes in. Oyster Creek Studios creates livable and elevated spaces for everyday life. They're a full-service interior design studio furnishing homes from one room to an entire home. New construction, renovation, or a refresh just like I need. Oyster Studios has you covered. They are experts who are passionate about design and have a beautiful showroom in West University, right in the heart of Houston. Learn more by visiting OysterCreekStudios.com. Um, yeah. Okay, speaking of life changing, I want to segue because I promised you I could keep you all day. So I'm trying to not hold you, detain you, but I'm looking at the clock here. I would keep you forever. You're so fun to talk I mean, to. I mean, part of me is like, right. if you go 10 more minutes, my yeah. husband will put the kids in bed. Done. So, Done. so what time is it in Paris right now? <laughs> it's 6.50. 6.50. It's 11.50 here on stateside. Um, okay, so you moved to Paris five years ago. Now, when you moved to Paris, did you think you were moving for five years or didn't you think it was a short job project coming back? Yeah, we thought it was. So we got married and my husband worked for a company that was owned by the French energy company. And I said, you know, when we were dating, I joked and I said, you know, get a job in Paris and I'll marry you. Um, Thankfully, I married him without that. Yeah. Uh, but then we really, as we got married and we both had, we were living in Portland, Oregon. We'd both lived there for well over a decade each and had our own groups of friends and everything. And we just got to this point where we thought no matter what way, which way you cut it, like we won't have as much 
time, you know, miles on the odometer as our friends that got married in their 20s and then had kids maybe five or six years later, because we do want to try to start a family, um, you know, within a year. So we're like, let's do a fun adventure. Like maybe we sell everything and we just, you know, go somewhere in the world. And, um, and so, but then all of a sudden this job opportunity did come up. They'd never brought an American over to the headquarters. And it was like, and my husband, he's a language savant and he had taken French in high school and boom, like, so he got the job and, uh, we were like, all right. So we had just, you know, like got all these wedding gifts (laughs) and then we put everything into storage, which we're now going back to Portland to sell all of our wedding gifts, uh, the garage sale didn't know we were going to do it. And then all of a sudden this happened. So one year, almost exactly from when we got married, we moved to Paris thinking it would be like a year or two max three was the expat contract. Um, and then, then we just stayed. And, um, now my husband is in the process of applying for citizenship. Wow. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we don't know if we'll be here forever, but it's, he works for a very French company and it just feels like we're able to do it. And I think just from, for, there's a myriad of reasons. One of which, Uh if he, if he gets it, then our children will automatically have citizenship. And right now they don't, even though they were born here, the way it works is they don't. And so we'd really, really like to get some citizenship. Okay. So let me set this up in my mind, how I have lived out your Paris journey in my own mind. Um, But in, so I'm thinking you're moving to Paris. This sounds sexy and romantic and adventuresome, just amazing. But I also am 50. So I also know like we we talked about this before we started recording in my mind when god puts an opportunity like that or if i love adventure and so i'm like yes yeah. let's do this and then i'll think about the cost once i'm in yeah. it but once yeah. i'm in it inevitably it's not what i thought it would be in my mind let's take marriage yeah. for example as blissful <laughs> as it is i love you. your eyes went over <laughs> you can see me husband. shift to jason as blissful as it is it's never what you expect Let's talk about having kids as blissful as you think in your mind. And I was older having them, wanted them so badly. We had five years of infertility, didn't know I would have them. So I, in my mind, I'm like, I will be grateful every single day. While yeah. I am, there have been lots of hard days. Yeah. So yeah. I want to talk about, you say yes, because really it's an act of obedience for you. God's leading you there. Wouldn't you agree? It's not just you and Matt going, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, well, I think it, the initial was like, we want to do, do something where we can yeah. build a foundation for our marriage. And then we sought counsel. I mean, that is like a staple of our lives. Uh-huh. Like, should we do this? And I, and I actually remember we we met with um, a guy who kind of does these like personality profiles that are really structured around kind of your work and your vocation. But then uh, he likes to do it if, if both uh, a husband and wife want to both do it, mm-hmm. then he will review your results together. And it, it becomes more than just about work. It's kind of like your yeah. whole life together, your dynamic. But then he helped, a lot of times he will do it with people who are considering moving abroad. And he can, he's like, I can, even if people feel very adventurous and really want to do this thing, he goes, there is like a very key element about people where I tell them not to do it or thumbs up. And, and that is basically, if you have a posture of curiosity um, oh, and wow. you, you like to be a learner, yeah, he said, because there is so much mental exhaustion when you move to a foreign place, especially if there's mm-hmm. a new language, like it can all be fun and exciting, but it is going to take a toll yes. on you because you are learning a whole new framework. And I just think that 
is what gave us the freedom of like, okay, this is, you know, we're moving forward. That we're, prepared we're you getting probably. the thumbs up. What? Well, I would think that would have helped prepared you, prepare you emotionally yes. at least of like, yes. let's, that's, that's super helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So it felt, we felt freedom around it. Yeah. Um, you know, one of my, if I can plug one of my dad's books, plug it, plug it, <laughs> um, called the four wills of God. And, um, he, and I asked him to write it because it really had impacted me. Oh. Um, and he kind of talks about there's, you know, the, 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 the main areas in scripture that say, and this is the will of God. And a lot of times we try to figure out. So when I was, before I moved to Portland, I was living down in Los Angeles and I, I was, um, I moved down there cause I thought I was going to go into fashion. That's a whole nother story. Well, come on. But then I started. Love it. I love that. <laughs> I started directing my parents' conferences. And so I was working for them and I really could live anywhere. And I had a couple really good girlfriends that lived up in Portland. And I, I felt like I wanted to move there. So I called my dad because I was working for him and he was also my father. And, um, I said, Hey, you know, I've really been praying about moving to Portland and I got to say, dad, I've been running on the beach here in Redondo and I've seen so many Oregon license plates and Portland t-shirts. It's a sign. It's a sign. I'm and just he, saying, <laughs> I'm just saying. And he pauses and he goes, start looking for Ohio license plates. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And he said, smart. He's so good. And I said, I said, he goes, I, I'm not discounting that God can reveal his will for us in ways that are unique. But I also want to encourage you that if you are being obedient to God, you're seeking wise counsel, you know, and he went through these different things and he said, then you can have freedom to move forward. And if the Lord redirects you, he will. But sometimes we get so fixated on getting a lightning bolt from yeah. God that we never move forward. And right. I'm telling you as your boss and your father, you are free to make the move. And um, so he's like, there's nothing about your life that would make me feel like you are outside of God's will right now. So I would say that's kind of wow. how we felt about moving to Paris as well. And, um, and yeah, just so continuing to try to, Oh, that, go ahead. Well, no, no, no. I, first of all, I, I would like to know your dad. I would like for him to become my surrogate dad. That sounds incredible. I mean, what a He's gift, wonderful. but what a gift, really. His name is Emerson Egrich, and he yeah. wrote Love and Respect is his his main book. Yeah. And it was when we, Jason and I were dating, that book was hot and popular, and the conferences were at their peak, I think. And I just remember. I think that they have this amazing director of yeah. conference. Well, I forget her name. It was weird <laughs> when you would see billboards, and it was your picture instead of the dad, <laughs> but your dad, but whatever, it's fine. Um, but he, uh, super, super helpful. But fast forward to now you're in Paris. What was, give us one example of like a curveball. Like I did not expect this. It would be like yeah. this. And how, how did you have to, to lean on your faith during that? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. The, the unique thing was that we were having a blast. Like it really was oh, so much fun for us. And Matt, and, was flu uh, he's fluent in French already. He's already yeah. fluent. Oh, yeah, he's, he, I mean, we went to Berlin for the weekend for his birthday and he was speaking German by the end of the weekend and I took German in high school and I couldn't even say anything. <laughs> I'm, I'm irritated by Matt here. What in the world? I am too, <laughs> trust me. Yeah. Um, so a curveball was that, you know, I did launch Punchline uh, right at the same time. And, um, and I, and that was something where I had had some people say like, that seems like a lot. Maybe you should just take some time, get familiar 
And, but I just felt like, no, 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 I've got, I've got to do this. I have to do this. And, um, and I, in hindsight, I wish I would have waited a little bit because it was like this whole mix of trying to launch a company and rework the kinks that come along with that. Um, and then simultaneously figuring, mentally figuring out this whole new lay of the land and the language. I was like, I'm going to learn French too, by the way, I still haven't learned it. Um, I don't think my brain is <laughs> wired for languages. Yeah. I know enough to be polite and to apologize for how bad my French is. French is that, hard. I think is important. It's that oh. French is not an easy language. Spanish to me is much easier. I don't know. French just all my brain doesn't work that way. No. Yeah. I don't think my brain works around most languages. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we're both communications so majors. He's like, you love you love the English language so much that it's just, you get paralyzed because you want to be able to say all the nuances and things. I'm like, that's a really nice way of That's so it. sweet. I feel pretty. I feel pretty now. <laughs> um, but I would start having, like, I, I felt more anxiety than I had ever mm-hmm. felt. And I was like, this is weird. Like, this is really, because I'm having fun. Mm-hmm. I'm having fun. Um, and then I would start start just having really dramatic daydreams, um, and like of of just terrible scenarios going, yeah, mm-hmm. like you know terrorism and things like that. Because people before you left, people are like, oh, you know, it's yeah, so much right. easier when you live in one country to paint another country. As, sure, you know, I cannot tell you how absolutely safe we feel living here. Mm-hmm. But because those ideas had been planted in my mind, and now you're taking public transportation all the time, and so then you just. It was always, I was Jack Bowering like every yeah, situation. Right. I was like, I'm going to have to save everyone yeah. all the time. This is, this is a lot <laughs> um, of weight of responsibility, Lord. <laughs> yes. It, yeah. That responsibility is my number one on strength. Is it? If you do that. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So I had to save everybody. And I'm in my mind, I'm barrel rolling and yeah. I'm just, you know, taking people out. And it felt crazy. I felt crazy at the time. And I, I finally um, talked to my old, uh, counselor from uh, Portland and she recommended me work through this book and and she's also a Christian and so she just really gave me some great advice but it was interesting because this book um, that <laughs> like the front says like anxiety and phobia workbook so I'm like wow gotta put that away it's a new day come over. yeah um, but it was really interesting it had you like tally um, it had you associate um, numbers with different life scenarios that could happen. And a lot of them, and I don't think we oftentimes think about this, a lot of them were positive things. So like you get married, uh-huh. you move, you start a new job, you do this, you do that. And right. it's like, you go on vacation that had a number associated. Vacation is a change in your natural rhythm. Mm-hmm. And that is just an increased stressor. So it was, again, coming back and naming these things and going, okay. Like my dad will often say to people that he counsels um, who are doing all these great things, especially people who are in ministry because he oftentimes Mm -hmm. uh, counsels couples in ministry. He'll say, all these things that you're doing are really, really great, but you have have taken a bite out of a really, really big juicy hamburger. Yeah. And now you're kind of like choking. Yeah. That's (laughs) what I was about to say. And you're choking now. Yeah. 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 And so all these things can seem really exciting and delicious and yummy, but sometimes we just have to pace ourselves just because something's good doesn't mean we have to do all of it at once. And so there was a turning point where through counsel and a lot of prayer, I decided to step back 
how much I was doing with punchline. Mm. Like when we started, it was just a speaking agency, but it was like, we booked the travel. We did all these different things. And I had made it beyond what I could do. And I had started it with um, two part-time employees and then that didn't work out. So it was just me. Mm. And I was like, I'm going to miss out on this opportunity that I have to be with my husband as a newlywed in Paris. And, and I'm going to, I'm going to miss out on that. And I'm, and, and I think the anxiety of that's causing me to have these heightened like daydreams that I'm having to take people out. Yeah. And so again, it was just like, it it really threw me for a curveball because it was like this mix of like, I'm happy and having fun, but I also think I've taken too big of a bite out of a hamburger and how can I change course? It doesn't mean that I was outside of God's That's will right. in coming to Paris That's or right. starting Punchline. It just means like, this is a growth opportunity That's that exactly I get excited right. like you. Yes. yes. Like we, we, we want to do mm-hmm. the things that we want to do. Yeah. And then, and if you're high capacity, you're like, yeah, I can do that. Yep. I can do that. And then all of a sudden you're like, this is the fun has been taken out yes. of it. And you're, yeah. you're, you're less effective. Like you said, you're less effective in your marriage. You're less effective in your work. And soon to be, you were becoming a mom and, Yeah, I have a board of directors with my ministry, and one of their main goals is just to keep me pacing correctly and not taking on too much to, because I would, because everything sounds exciting or, you know, when it appears and I want to say yes to everything, and then you get just totally drained. Um, Yeah. What has, give me an example of the way, one of the ways you've seen God in Paris living there, this experience, I don't know, that you may not have been looking for him. And then boom, there he is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, something that was kind of crazy that I really haven't told many people. Oh, so here we divulge, go. On the here we go. COVID makes you um, so transparent. This is so it wonderful. Does code, I tell you, who knows what I'm saying? Start with Bob Barker and <laughs> yeah. with this. Um, so I, um, as we were moving here, I was looking, looking for apartments. And, you know, in Paris, if you've been here, a lot mm-hmm. of the streets are very narrow. I mean, narrow. I have, but yeah. Yeah, a lot of the streets are very narrow, and you're basically looking in your neighbor's window. Um, <clears throat> and it is true. French people don't wear very many clothing items <laughs> in their apartments. And so don't you care. see everything. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I I had prayed. I was like, I really want to be able to look at it out at a church. And, um, and I just prayed that. And then I found this apartment and it was exactly the neighborhood we wanted to be in. We were actually working, the company that Matt works for had an agency that was helping look, us look for apartments and they were looking, they kept sending us to all the touristy places or the big expat communities, but we knew this one neighborhood that we wanted to be in uh-huh. that was a little bit lesser known, but really quaint. And so I found the apartment and I just saw like how beautiful it was. I didn't see what it looked at and then found out that it looked directly at, um, at a church. And so that just felt like such a gift. Mm -hmm. And then if you looked out the window and looked down the street, you could see the Sacre Coeur, which is the famous church in Paris. That's kind Uh of that bubble looking. So I had two churches that I could look at and our, and that was our apartment for our first year um, before we had to move because Millie was coming and uh, we didn't want her to sleep in the bathtub. (laughs) Um, But um, that whole year we, you know, we just, we didn't know really what was happening in the church in Paris. We did visit different churches, um, but this, the church across from us was just this visual of like, let's pray for Paris. We prayed that whole year yeah. on and off, just that something would happen in Paris. And then we had to move apartments and 
sure enough, our next apartment had a view of the second prayer again, which was just like mm-hmm. a gift because I got to look at my church again. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then probably, I don't know, maybe a month or so after we had moved, we still lived in the same neighborhood. We uh, somehow got a notification that there was a church in Paris that was having a revival Stop. and the, the, it was overflowing so much. There wasn't space like t- where they were hosting it, that it was, it was, um, meeting in different locations around the city. Stop. And one of the churches that it hosted at was the church right across Stop. the apartment that we had. Pr- yeah. <laughs> I love that. Because oftentimes it, when you pray, when you just feel a nudge to pray, let's pray for revival in Paris. I don't know that you're necessarily like anticipating it's going to happen next week. You're just, you're just praying what you feel led to pray. And if not looking, then all of a sudden God's like, listen, I'm going to answer that. I'm going to answer that. Keep your eyes open because I may just actually do it. Yeah. And then then we tried to go and get in and we couldn't even get in. That's how packed out it was. Oh man. I love, (laughs) did you stand back and go, Hey y'all, this cause I prayed. Yeah. This is, oh wait, wait, now I'm losing focus again. (laughs) That's such a great, I love that. But now it was really encouraging. So are you coming, are you coming back to the States? What's happening in your life right now? Well, we were supposed to on Saturday. Okay. But that's, that's changing. yeah, we're we're gonna fly out next Wednesday. Okay. Um, we're we're coming to visit family for a little bit over a month. Um, so we will be. I'm gonna have that garage sale where we're emptying out our uh-huh. storage unit in Portland. We're gonna visit all the grandparents. Uh, uh, Matt's parents have never even met Emerson. Um, my father is Emerson. If you didn't catch that, and I named my son after my father Emerson because of all that great. Why wouldn't you? Me over the Listen, years. <laughs> if I have another son at 51, I'm naming him Emerson. Just let your dad That's know. That's a great name. That's going to connect him to me, if if anything. He'll go, I've got to know her then. <laughs> I love it. I want him on my podcast you're like, next. You're like, I, I I named him after you, surrogate dad, but didn't know you're my surrogate, surrogate dad. Surrogate <laughs> dad slash pastor slash counselor. You now, you now are obligated to A, come on my podcast and love me forever with my husband. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I've kept you far longer than I told you I would. And you have been so gracious in the midst of your COVIDness and your transitioning to the States again. Anyway, I just am so grateful to you for coming on. And I would talk to you forever, but I'm trying to, I'm trying not to be selfish with your time. But uh, I you're... am so grateful, Joy Egerich Reed. You're wonderful. <laughs> you nail that every time. You you hesitate, but then you say I know. I do feel like I say it well. Um, okay, you here's do. here's you what do. I want to say. I'm not good at closing these podcasts out. I'm trying to get better. But I do <laughs> want to say this to you is when you were talking in the first segment of our podcast just about all the brokenness and being in Switzerland, and but all that God was doing and that he was developing compassion in you, it kind of struck me when you said that. I think that's one of the things that attracted me to you. There is a humility and an um, accepting nature about you, Joy, that is unique in the world in which you move and have your being. Because we both kind of function in this world of Christian leaders and speakers and authors, and sometimes it can get cloudy on, or you, you just don't ever have the celebrity-ish about you. And I love that. And I'm so grateful for you. And I just think that... Um, you're delightful. And I think the best is coming for you. And I'm just, I'm really grateful for your time. 
Oh, that means more than you know. And I think you sign off your podcast really well. <laughs> Signing off. Here we go. Okay, Joy Egrich. Well, I, do, well, I do. I will say, I do remember the first time that we talked. <clears throat> I feel like I... we went over significantly. So the feeling is mutual. I have a lot of fun talking. And if wine was good for COVID, I probably would be having a glass. Uh, you'd be you. so <laughs> flattened if you had a glass of wine right now. But that day's coming back, too. You it's will coming. soon. And it's just coming. think of me. We'll toast each other virtually. I love um, it. All right, my friend. Thank you. We'll be in touch. I appreciate your time and all of that. And I hope you feel better. And tell Matt, I'm sorry that you yelled at him. It's my fault. You were trying to get those airplanes. <laughs> thank you. All right. And I, hug those kids. I can't wait to meet them one day. I will. All I right. Will. Thank you. Okay. Bye, friend. Today's episode is brought to you by Oyster Creek Studios. Oyster Creek Studios designs livable and elevated spaces for everyday life. As a full-service interior design studio, Oyster Creek Studios is ready to design one room or an entire home. New construction, renovation, or just need a refresh? Oyster Creek Studios understands what it takes to make your home the home of your dreams, a home that's life-filled, bright, clean, and refined. Some call it livable luxury, but we just call it the OCS look. Learn more at OysterCreekStudios.com or visit their showroom in West University, right in the heart of Houston. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of It's Like This. And most importantly, though, I hope that you find it helpful in your own discovery of God. If you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post it on social media, or leave a rating and review. And to catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Laura Seifert Yes, which is L-A-U-R-A-S-E-I-F-E-R-T-Y-E-S. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.